Father, thank you for the faith in Christ that endures to the end. Thank you for the ability to believe in you, to repent and to work for your honor and glory to the very end. Without you, we are nothing and can do nothing. May we trust in no other for only the things that you can do, not even in ourselves. In Jesus' name, amen. I like the statement that was posted on Gab by a Pilgrim's Coffer theology that says, I don't read long dead pastors, mighty Puritans, and old divines because of the esteem in which they were once held, or even how prized their works may now be. I read them because of him whom they so adamantly and poignantly pointed towards in both life and labor. Speaking of these long dead pastors, Charles Spurgeon's page on Twitter posts a quote for him that says, Sincere repentance is continual. Believers repent until their dying day. In other words, believers continually look to their Savior, Jesus Christ, the same Savior that these long-dead pastors adamantly and poignantly pointed people to. This fact brings us to a conversation that continued yesterday on day six of our studies as I had continued to respond to red-pilled Catholicism which is a page, another page that's on Substack. And he responds to this idea of faith enduring to the end, which is the title of today's episode, Endures to the End. Number seven, Endures to the End. And Habitual Line Stepper, the author of Red Pill Catholicism, replies and says, well, that's one Protestant interpretation of that verse. But that's not the Christian understanding and interpretation of that verse, and it's not the Christian doctrine on faith. He says that Jesus explicitly states and warns that only those who endure unto the end will be saved. Your fallible interpretation directly contradicts the words of Jesus and Scripture. Well, I suppose he didn't read anything that I had stated. And then I replied to him, I suppose that Jesus contradicts himself too in John 6, 27. Labor not for the meat which perisheth, but for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you for him hath God the Father sealed. In other words, we labor by faith and for faith, not the flesh. This is the meat that does not perish. This is the meat that endures unto everlasting life. We in the flesh are not this meat. Faith is. And yes, faith does endure until the end. Now, I I find it funny that as I read from Catholics, when you disagree with them and you quote Scripture and you refer them to Scripture, they automatically assume that you are of the Protestant fold. And while I do disagree with quite a bit of Catholic catechism, this does not, by default, make me a Protestant because, dear Catholic friends, I am not a Protestant. Twistle on Gab replied, so Protestants are not Christian. Yeah, okay. 
Uh, he replies, and, and this, my friends, this twistle, my brother, is why I choose to be gospelled in Christ and not red-pilled in Catholicism. Now, we can get into a lengthy discussion of whether or not I believe that there are born-again believers within Catholicism, and the short answer is yes, there are some born-again believers who are within the Catholic fold. Peter Crosby replied on Gab, The idea, this idea of once saved, always saved, is hard to understand and come to grips with, but if you understand that doctrine through Andrew's explanation, it does make sense. He says, I'm not a Protestant either. That's a Catholic description of any Christian who does not follow Catholic doctrine. Using their own description, wouldn't they be considered Protestants to the Orthodox Church? Following Christ transcends denominations, Brother Peter well notes. And here I find that people confuse losing salvation with being saved in the first place. It's never a matter of losing your salvation. It's a matter of being saved in the first place. Listen, my friends, nothing can change who my biological father is. Nothing. Just as nothing can change who my spiritual father is once I was born again. So here we see that the question is a matter of birth and once one is born, there is no such thing as becoming unborn, just as there is no such thing as becoming unborn again. Now as for the Catholic and Orthodox dogma, I'll let them sort out their own flesh and blood feuds, and they have many. The elect are not to be wrestling with these things in the first place. These are flesh and blood feuds that are tied in much to the material world seeking to gain market share as they fight one another in battle for the sheeples. Liz Thompson 501 says, I think once you are saved, you are saved. Your heart and mind yearns for the word of the Lord. This is what happened to me, she says. I can't wait to read my Bible and pray all through the day. Thank you, Jesus, for saving my soul. Yes, my uh, dear Christ sister, this is why the word is saved. Past tense, we are saved. God saved us. If a poor soul is drowning in the middle of a lake and I save this person from drowning... I either say either the person drowned or they didn't. They're either saved or they're not. They're back on land or they're not. It is finished. Our faith in Christ will endure to the end by the grace of God. The same grace that saved us is the same grace that keeps us. Looks like Five Arrow Father understands this very well. At Five Arrow Father on Gab, he says the idea that you can lose your salvation is poisonous. As someone who has struggled with this for a couple decades, I can say that and that any uncertainty on your eternal destination will render you either completely ineffective due to discouragement and dread over overly focused on doing as many good works as you can, hoping to prove you are good enough for the golden ticket. 
He says part of the peace that surpasses understanding is from the assurance that our salvation and ultimately our heavenly destination is no longer in question. We know where we will end up and that frees us to live lives full of joy, peace, patience, and free from fear of death. He says either Christ's death on the cross was sufficient to save you once and for all or it wasn't. If it was, then nothing, not even me ever present in sin nature is enough to overturn his his sacrifice. If it wasn't, the ramifications are too great to even consider. He says this topic is very near and dear to his heart, and he could write and talk on it extensively, but he won't. He says, I will end by saying salvation once received is life-giving, and nothing, not even death, can take that away. Well said, my brother, you get it. Now the narrow gate gets this for the most part. The wide gate, not so much. Habitual line stepper on the red pill Catholicism, he replies uh, to this contradiction and he says no 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 contradiction just your fallible interpretation is an error you don't properly understand the scriptures because you reject the church jesus built which is the pillar and foundation of the truth you have only your own understanding to rely upon the new covenant and god's promises of it will never fail it is man that can fail and if you fail to abide by the new covenant you will not be saved By the new covenant, you want to believe that a person can refuse to love God and still be saved? That's just not true. It's funny that you try to cite John 6, he says, while you reject large portions of John 6. Jesus is absolutely clear in John 6 that his flesh is true food and his blood is true drink, yet you reject this. And funny enough, you don't even realize that what the Eucharist is in the new covenant. Well, we're not going to get into the uh, Eucharist and exactly what the flesh and blood of Jesus Christ is in this episode. But I did respond to him in this manner. I told him, I said, you've claimed that I've said many things that I had not said. And with these false accusations, this man has answered my question clearly. I thanked him for his time, and I hope that he finds peace in Christ that passes all understanding. The same peace of Christ that passes all understanding that five arrow father referenced very well. Liz Thompson 505 on Gab says, and the Lord has blessed me with your posts. I've been reading Genesis and was wondering about the giants. Your post this morning answered questions and guided me to study. She says, thank you. Well, thank you for the encouraging words, my Christ sister. And for those who have not ventured into that study, we talk about that on day six in our reading in the book of Genesis. And this is really all that I hope to be able to inspire or instigate as we continue to study through the Bible. And that is that people would pray more on their own and study more on their own because this is how I have come to the knowledge of of much of the truth that I preach to you, truth that most pulpits are afraid to preach in our day. And this is why I can say with the psalmist in Psalm 717, I will praise the Lord according to his righteousness, not my righteousness, his righteousness. And I will sing the name of the Lord most high, whether I can sing or I cannot, which I cannot. And if I say you are going to hell, because you have rejected Jesus Christ, 
This is a judgment that has been made and a judgment that I will be judged by. The question is, did I reject Jesus Christ or not? The same question applies to you. And if Jesus Christ is not Lord in your life, you have no business judging another man's position before him. Matthew 7, 1, judge not that you be not judged. Now, if Jesus Christ is Lord of your life, the mote is removed from your eye. You now can see. You now can judge righteously. In verse 4, Oh, how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote of thine eye, and behold, a beam is thy own eye. If you're not born again, don't even attempt to address what it means to be born again. There is no righteous judgment without the judge presiding, and that judge is Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. 724, judge not according to the appearance, but judge righteous judgment. So here we see clearly that we are to judge, but we are to judge righteously. And this righteous judgment is made by the word of God. Therefore, my friends, I am not the ultimate judge. If I judge another man, it's, a, it's in, in accordance of the same word that I judge myself. And a man who has been judged to be an evident troll by his pig pen behavior and action does not necessarily deserve a reply either. Matthew 7, 6, Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet, and turn again and rend you. So sometimes silence is what's going to speak the volumes. Psalm 7, 8, The Lord shall judge the people. Judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and according to my integrity that is in me. This righteousness, my righteousness, and my integrity is Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone through the power of the blessed Holy Spirit and the command of the Father. Psalm 7 11, God judges the righteous and God is angry with the wicked every day. The reality of the matter is, my friends, is that you and I will continue to fall at times, even though this righteousness exists within us. And this is why we must continually repent. We will continually repent for those of us who are in Jesus Christ. Now, as we look at verses 7 and 8, ask, and it shall be given you, seek, and you shall find, knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For every one that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be open. And here we find that these things are in accordance with the will of God. It is the will of God that you and I believe. It is the will of God that you and I repent. It is the will of God that you and I work for his glory. This has nothing to do with the necessities of this material world. Because God by default promises to feed his people, house his people, and clothe his people. This has everything to do with the spiritual world and the war thereof that we fight on a daily basis. This absolutely, absolutely has nothing to do with the Mega Millions jackpot that so many lust after today. It's good things, not evil things. Verse 11, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask Him? God knows what is good for us. 
The problem is, is that most treat the Lord's good things like the two-year-old treats the broccoli put on his plate. Leonard Ravenhill at Ravenhill Quotes on Twitter is quoted as saying, it doesn't say without ministry, no man shall see the Lord. It doesn't say without miracles, no man shall see the Lord. It doesn't say without money, no man shall see the Lord. It doesn't say without baptism, etc. It says without holiness. As he references Hebrews 12, 14, that says, follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. The Lord says, be ye holy for as I am holy. And this is only accomplished through Jesus Christ. It's only through Jesus Christ that you and I can accomplish the golden rule, which is part of the great commandment to love our neighbors as our own selves. Matthew 7, 12, therefore all things whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. The same law and prophets that's fulfilled in the great commandment. In Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven through 40, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now, wouldn't it make sense that we live these things? Wouldn't it make sense that we, we teach these things to our children? Otherwise, we're going to continue to read headlines such as the one posted by KOAA News, News 5. And they report a female teacher was sent to a hospital with life-threatening injuries. And a child suspect was taken into custody on Friday following a shooting at an elementary school in southern Virginia. It says a six-year-old boy in custody after elementary school teaching teacher in hospital with life-threatening injuries. Now, this is a, a sad story. This is a shocking story. Not e- we're not even safe around six-year-olds no more. And speaking of young elementary students, there's a young elementary girl in our area uh, from our school district who lost her mother to a, a jealous boyfriend. She was five months pregnant. And, and, and her friend... Came, she left the man, and then she came back the next day to get a couple of her things, thinking that the man wasn't there. And she was in the house, and her friend was there to help her while her friend's three-year-old child was out in the car, and the man killed them both. He killed both of these women. And this is the evil that we're up against today. And people think that there's salvation found in the repugnance and in, in the demon, democrats. The repugnance and the democrats are not the keepers of the straight gate. Jesus said, enter you in the straight gate for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction and many there be which go in thereat because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life and few there be that find it. They may be keepers at the, the wide gate, but they're not keepers of the straight gate. And you should know them by their fruits. Matthew seven fifteen through 18. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing. But inwardly they are ravening wolves. You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so every good tree bringeth forth good fruit. But a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit. Neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. So unless you are the good fruit, you don't know what good fruit is. 
Jesus says in verse 20, whereby their fruits you shall know them. And then, then we wonder why we read tweets by America, you've been played us. This is the guy's uh, Twitter name at I've been here, B-E-F-1. He's replying to representative MTG and says, applauding a 15-round loser like he just won the Super Bowl as a rookie. McCarthy won tonight due to pathetic, spineless Republicans. McCarthy won due to coercion. America, regardless of party affiliation, lost severely. The World Economic Forum won, he says. Andrew Torwa had posted as well on this on Gab and says, aren't you glad that you now have a California liberal with an R next to his name as speaker instead of a California liberal with a D next to hers? You should vote harder and keep investing time and energy in national politics. These are the dividends of your investment as he mocks our national political system. But all of this should make you stop and and pause and think because it's until we start reflecting upon these things, taking the time to stop, pause, and think and reflect on God Almighty that we won't even know if we are the ones that are found in Matthew 7, 21, 23. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? In thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. It all boils down to the fruit, my friends, the fruit. Now the religious... They can care less about this. They will not reflect on this. They will not stop. They will not pause. And they will not think. But I'm glad that a new believer by the name of Doug Lemley did exactly that today as he stopped scrolling on Gab. He stopped, he paused, he thought, and he asked a question. He says, what does this mean exactly? He says, I'm relatively new in my faith and I'm playing catch up every day. When I see scripture like this, especially in this context, I am confused by it. Thanks. And I said, hello, Doug. Welcome to the faith, my brother. And welcome to my page on Gab. And I simply explained to him that Matthew 7, 21 through 23 means that there are those who know how to talk the talk, but they do not know how to walk the walk. And it's this mere talk that we find is used for personal and political gain. And this is the difference. We see this difference expanded on by Jesus himself in Matthew 15, 7 through 9, where he says, You hypocrites! Well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. Teaching things such as Peter is the rock and foundation of our faith. No. The rock and foundation of our faith is Jesus Christ. The same rock that we read about in verses 24 and 25 of Matthew 7. There so whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which built his house upon a rock. 
And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. The same winds, and the same rain, and the same floods, such as this little girl who lost her mother has experienced recently. Now the only way that she's going to be able to stand victorious in this life and to overcome such tragedy is through Jesus Christ and I pray that she find peace in him. She's not going to find this peace in the politics of our day. You can build upon the sand of politics if you want. Verses 26 through 27 And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand and the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Not even super Trump will save you. No man. On Disclosed.tv, there was a headline on January 5th. They reported Justin Representative Gates votes for Trump to be House Speaker. And I saw that and I thought, oh, look, a believer and super Trump. What a joke. And it's a joke because we have failed as a people to recognize who really has the authority. Matthew 7, 28 through 29. And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine. For he thought them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Recognize who has the authority and you will be astonished too. They say, well, your preaching is bold. (laughs) That's because I'm preaching the doctrine of Christ. The same doctrine that made Noah righteous. By the same faith that you and I are made righteous by today, Genesis 7, 1, And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark, for thee have I seen righteous before me and then in this generation. And those of us that have been made righteous in Jesus Christ are those of us who are of faith, of a faith that will seek the will of the Father and do it. Just as Noah did in verse 5, And Noah did according to all that the Lord commanded him. Now those who are not of faith, they seek their own will. Not only do they seek their own will, they cower to those who seek their own will. Those who would like to say there's an infinite amount of genders. When we know that the Bible makes it clear that the male and the female are the two genders. In verse 9, there went in two and two unto Noah into the ark. The male and the female. As God had commanded Noah. So here we see that even a monkey that got on this ark can teach us that there is only two genders. Sexes, there are only two. So if you want to breathe this truth, get in the ark. Get in the ark, my friends, and you will breathe all the truth that you could ever hope to breathe. And you will keep on breathing to the very end. This breath from God by the Spirit of the living God will endure to the end, verse 15, and they went into the ark. They went into Noah, into the ark, two and two, all the flesh, wherein is the breath of life. And once you are shut in this ark by the Lord, you are shut in 
by the Lord. It is finished. It is sealed unto the day of our redemption. Verse 16, and they went in, went in male and female of all flesh as God had commanded them, and the Lord shut him in. Historical Christian quotes at Reformed Pastors tweets today. Did Christ finish his work for us? Question mark. Then there can be no doubt, but he will also finish his work in us. John Flavel, I agree. John, it's here we find that we will continue to breathe. We will continue to see Christ work in us. This is why we must never give up. We must always wait upon the Lord because the waters will recede no matter how hard they come. No matter how hard they fall, the waters will recede. Genesis 7:24, and the waters prevailed upon the earth 150 days. 150 days, my friends. Just hang in there. Endure hardness, knowing that our faith will endure to the end. The Daily Spurgeon posted today, the purchased people shall safely reach the purchased inheritance. And it won't be until our government respects this preaching. This preaching of preachers of old, such as Charles Spurgeon. It's not until you see our government respect the Ezra's of Babylon that there will be any hope. These men stand at the narrow gate with the truth, Ezra 7, 6. This Ezra went up from Babylon, and he was already scribe in the law of Moses, which the Lord God of Israel had given. And the king granted him all his requests according to the hand of the Lord his God upon him. It's clear that we see that there is respect between the church and the state. And unless this respect is established once again, there is no hope for this country called America. But nevertheless, preachers of God, we must prepare our hearts to preach and teach no matter what we face. Whether we get the support of the state or not, Ezra 7.10, For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it, and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. We keep preaching, we keep teaching, and we keep giving. Yes, giving to the work of God is an act of God. And we see this in this chapter of Ezra, chapter 7. And whatsoever shall seem good to thee and to thy brethren to do with the rest of the silver and the gold that do after the will of your God. So thank you to those who have given to this Christ work. This is my full-time job for now. And so I appreciate those who have uh, supported this work and prayed for this work. And this is an act of faith uh, that we would give one to, one to another. What is not an act of faith is the defilement of the house of God. The house of the God of heaven that we read about in verse 23, whatsoever is commanded by the God of heaven, let it be diligently done for the house of the God of heaven. For why should there be wrath against the realm of the king and his sons? Question mark. So you defile the house of the God of heaven, and then you wonder why our nation has become cursed. So you might want to start re-evaluating this whole blessed Antichrist Israel and you will be blessed. It's more like bless those who are in Christ and you will be blessed. Curse those who are in Christ and you will be cursed. Scott McCormick replied on Gab and says, but nobody reads their Bible. 
And he quotes Romans 9, 6, Not as though the word of God hath taken none effect, for they are not all Israel which are of Israel. And then he continues to say in another post, But true Israelites do not hate Christians or followers of Jesus. And I will clarify a little more and a little bit more in depth, my brother Scott, and that is true Israelites are Christians. We are the faith seed of Abraham. Galatians 3.29, and if you, be, if you be Christ, if you be Christ, then are you Abraham's seed and ears according to the promise. So put all the colors of the skin aside. Put a, aside all of the ethnic titles to include Jew. Put it all aside. There's a video that was posted on Gab by Hypocrisy Enthusiast. And this person, this Gab account says that Matt Walsh is a scumbag. <laughs> Listen to the clip. Why is it wrong to want to preserve our heritage, the country that our ancestors founded European? I don't believe that our unifying principle was ever race skin color, ethnicity. Our unifying principle was a, essentially a doctrine. It was a, a, a doctrine of human rights. I think it's un-American, is what I would say. But why would it be immoral? It would really depend on what motivates that. And, uh, and if you're saying that it's not motivated by bigotry, all I can do is trust you on that. I can't look inside your soul. I mean, it sounds like it, but uh, I don't know. I don't know why you want me to, to do that. I can't read your mind. Now, this is a Daily Wire clip. And I'd just like to highlight Matt Walsh. I'm not going to go as far as to say that the man is a scumbag, but he does say something about human rights doctrine. Human rights doctrine, okay? While I am not against, obviously, human rights doctrine, it's not the, per se, doctrine of Christ. And this is where we need to be unified as believers in Christ, and as for ethnic heritage, the preservation of such things as skin color. Listen, I love people of all colors. However, my skin color happens to be white. I married a woman with white skin. And our children have white skin. Now, some may ask, is this a matter of superiority? Listen, the only superiority is the fact that my white wife and I trust in the superiority of Jesus Christ in our marriage. All the rest becomes a matter of, of aesthetics and biology and that God created me to be attracted to a woman of my skin color with a desire to have children that look like us. There's nothing wrong with these things. It's the way God created us. Now, are there beautiful women from, women from every race? Of course. And, and perhaps if there were no Christian white women, perhaps I would have married one of the Christian ladies of color. So here we find that it's not a king who respects the color of one's skin. It's an, a king who respects the house of God. That we will find a blessed nation in Ezra 7.27. Blessed be the Lord God of our fathers, which hath put such a thing as this in the king's heart, to beautify the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem. Here we see an emphasis on the beautification of the house of God versus the beautification of this flesh. And our focus ought to be the same. 
This is a focus that is done in deed and not just in word. Speaking of deed and not just in word, I'm looking at a tweet from Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene, who says, Congratulations, Mr. Speaker. And they both have head-to-head together, taking a selfie with some cheesy smiles. And Meme the Left at Meme the Left on Twitter replies to this and says, Representative, why'd you sell out? Do you really think you're playing a bigger game? Question mark. And it's those who think that all of this is just a big game where we'll find those who do not have a true faith that endures to the end. I'll end with another historical Christian quote from Richard Sibbs, who says, A man knows no more in religion than he loves and embraces with the affections of his soul. Well said, Richard. Well said. And guess what? I'm sure that Richard Sibbs most likely had the faith that endures to the end. I pray that this episode of Gospel was a blessing to you. And if you would like to become a team member of this Christ work, simply pray. Pray that God would use this podcast mightily for his glory. Share the episodes wherever you can and support with a subscription if you're able to do so. We are in this together, Christ friends. Keep up the good fight.